in the house of the Lord tonight. You are all in the right place. <clears throat> the ushers, as soon as they finish the offering, they're going to pass out some more of the flyers of Bill Fetter, who will be with us on July the 1st, and uh, take as many as you want. And I know we're going to run out tonight, but we'll have a fresh batch ready to go Sunday. But I believe July the 1st is going to be a, a, a great time in our church of listening to a noted historian in our nation, uh, a person who has written, uh, I think, 16 books, appeared before Congress. And, and his basic theme and his basic thrust are on America's original intent. And that's what we're going to be ministering on tonight, next Wednesday, and then he'll be coming and sharing on the first. And a lot of times you you can start to do something the right way and find out that you've really moved away from what God really had intended. Sometimes we can do it without uh, the knowledge that we're doing it wrong, most of the time we know when we're doing wrong. Uh, you, you, you know when you haven't done something that isn't right. Don't, don't ever be totally discouraged. We're all uh, discouraged a little bit when we find out we've done something the wrong way, but don't stay discouraged. Don't stay disappointed. Realize you went the wrong direction and take it the right direction. God's original intent for the Garden of Eden did not work out the way God intended uh, God was the first father, and the first children didn't operate under the rulership of the first father the way he intended for it to go, because they had a free will. And so don't ever think that it's too late to do the right thing. As a matter of fact, let's say this, it's never too late, never too late. to do the right thing, right. however it is late. And we've got to realize that, that if we're going to fulfill God's plan and God's purpose, we need to get on the right track. And tonight we're going to be talking about original intent part two for America, for Americans. And what if, what if, as last week we talked about, what if America is a Christian nation contrary to the President of the United States and what he says? What if the United States is a Christian nation? And what if... America was God's idea. What we want to do is put this in a posture of what if this is a Christian nation? What if America was God's idea? And what are all the things that would line up with what God would want? And what are all of the things that would line up with what the Antichrist would want? Now, the name Antichrist is not mentioned in the Old Covenant, but the Antichrist is what the devil has done and brought into this earth in this day and age that we live in. But it's the devil is the author. In the Garden of Eden, the devil came in and changed God's original intent. How many of you tonight believe that the spirit of the Antichrist is alive and working well in the United States of America? We know he's working well around the world, but I believe he has infiltrated this country just like he infiltrated the Garden of Eden. Now, God took care of the Garden of Eden, locked it up, pitched Adam and Eve out, and the devil was no longer going to be involved in that scenario. I believe God wants to take care of America. I really do. We're going to talk about it tonight. But if the body of Christ continues to be apathetic, to what's going on, then the devil is going to be free to roam around as that roaring lion and doing what he does. He kills, he steals, and he destroys. So you came the right night tonight because we got victories ahead of us. Let's say it. For all of you visitors, we make this confession. Every service, we believe the gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. If you do what God says, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you won't. So let's say it. The word of God, word of God is truth. Is if I live the word, I'll be blessed. And if I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell your neighbor, you look like you can get this. It's just that simple. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be paraphrasing a lot tonight, but you can turn to the book of Mark chapter 5. And I want to, uh, I want to just encourage all of you to Continue to pray for this great nation. We're going to pray tonight for America. Continue to lift up Mike Buckmiller and his treatments that he is uh, is he is undergoing, and uh, 
We just believe in that in Jesus' name, he's going to live along. And uh, I said Mark chapter 11, I, didn't I? I meant Matthew chapter 5. I said Mark chapter 5. I meant Matthew chapter 5. Good to have all of you visitors with us tonight. I don't know how many we have, but we are glad that you're here. If you don't have a church, stay right where you are. We'd love to have you right here every Sunday, 9, 11 o'clock, midweek service, 6.30. Pastor Pam is here. She's roaming around the building somewhere, but she'll be in here a little bit later on. But we are, are glad that you're with us. God uh, had an, an original intent, as I said earlier, in the garden. He had an original intent with Noah's generation. And I believe that he had an original intent with Israel all through the Old Covenant. You can see where the children of God started out doing what God told them to do, and then they veered off a little bit. Well, yeah, it's always the same thing with people. Well, did God really mean it this way, or did God really mean it that way, or or whatever? And then you start reasoning away the things. And and if you look in the Old Covenant, you'll see time and time again, one of the chapters will start out, and the people did evil, and the people did evil, and the people did evil. And what God did to teach them a lesson, he removed the blessings from them, and and not because he wanted to punish them, but because he wanted them to return to him. How many of you realize you draw closer to God? when you really have lack in your life and when you really have situations and circumstances that are driving you to your knees where when you have a whole lot of abundance and everything is great, kind of like the story that we had an actual story like this. The guy eventually gave his testimony in Tulsa when we were there. But he, w- he came to Victory Christian Center out there. He was destitute. He was broke. He came. He, he was restored, heard the message of grace, got everything restored, did really well in a business that he started, started making a lot of money, bought a bass boat, started doing all sorts of things. And then all of a sudden he started missing church and he started missing more church and he started taking his family out of church because he had all of this abundance and then it all Christ in on him. And when he came back after he'd lost everything again, it happened to him once before, he said, my problem was me. I continually miss what God's intent was for my life. So we've got to understand that that, that it can happen to all of us. And what we, we, we need to do is to identify what is the problem? What, how many of you do believe, I, I saw the show of hands a moment ago, but how many believe we've got serious problems in America? Now, we've got things going right, too, and, and, and I don't want to negate the fact that things aren't going right, but most of us, no matter what your age is, can say the country of the United States of America does not resemble morally and spiritually the country that I was born in as a younger child. How many of you would let your children play out in the streets late at night after the sun goes down? You wouldn't do that anymore in most cities and anywhere because of the day and age that we live in. And so we, we know that there's a change. So what we have to do is identify, okay, what is the problem? The same basic people live in America, but they seem to be different makeup. There seems to be things going on. The spirit of the Antichrist has infiltrated every area in America. It has infiltrated our school system. We're going to talk about that. It has infiltrated our government, the executive, the judicial, the legislative. Is it infiltrated the actual American society of, well, did God really mean, who are we to tell people what to do? Who are we to tell people how they should be? Shouldn't everybody be, whatever will be, will be. You're free to do whatever you want. I am not going to judge you. Well, it never said that we should judge people, but we should always tell people what? A little test. That was really weak as far as the answer to the test, but we should always tell people the truth. truth. Turn to your neighbor and say, we should live by the truth. We We don't call evil good just because it will hurt somebody's feelings to tell them that thing is evil. We don't turn the gospel around for somebody's convenience so that we don't make you feel bad. I've shared this before in church, and I know it doesn't go over good. So turn to your neighbor and say, here we go again. What is wrong with making somebody feel bad about themselves if it will cause them to repent and change and go the right direction? Oh, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. 
where did we ever get that notion that we can't hurt somebody's feelings? Would you hurt somebody's feelings if they're going to walk off a cliff and you grab them and jerk them back and they say, why did you do that? I say, I want to save your life. We are like watchmen on the wall. We are called to help people and to protect people and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, you can do it. But we're going to have to get to the point when, when we're going to answer this question. What was God's idea? And I realize that's somewhat of an ambiguous question. But how many of you think that there is a definite possibility that America could have been God's idea? That this country could have been something God wanted founded for his glory. Now, a lot of people say, oh, I don't know. I don't know one way or the other. That's okay. But if you ever study the founding documents going all the way back, well, before the founding documents, if you go all the way back to Christopher Columbus, if you go all the way back to the Mayflower Com, uh, Compact, which we do have those documents, and the documents of the early fa- fathers and founding fathers, you will find a wealth of information that does not exist in our school system. How many of you were brought up in a school system where you could pray? See your hands? About half of you. How many of you were brought up in a school system where you've never heard a prayer? never heard anything of the Word of God, and all younger people, I understand that. Okay, um, what would line up with the spirit of the Antichrist? Praying in school or throwing prayer out of school? Now turn to your neighbor and and just tell him, you look like you can get this. Okay, would you say that the spirit of the Antichrist would line up with throwing prayer out of school? And the spirit of, the, of Christ would, and the Holy Spirit would say, well, no, no, let's pray in school. Uh, do you think it would be the spirit of the Antichrist who would say you can never have a Bible in your classroom? Or do you think that would be the spirit of the Antichrist? Now, this is how it goes. You don't want to make people feel bad about themselves because not everybody's a Christian. Duh, I know that. I was raised as a non-Christian. But the Bible never offended me because I didn't even know what it meant. (laughs) I mean, it's like it's just a book. You want to study the book? Go ahead and study the book. But I remember saying the Pledge of Allegiance, and I remember my teacher praying in the classes. I don't know what she prayed, but I remember praying. She would have done a lot better if she told me I needed Jesus, but I don't know. She prayed something. But, But see, now, are you with me so far? What lines up with the Holy Spirit? And Jesus, and what lines up with the spirit of the Antichrist? When did our nation change? It did not change, by the way. But when did our nation change to the leader of our country? Good man, President Obama, just makes bad decisions, in my opinion, regarding some things. And, and declares around the world and in America that the United States of America is no longer a Christian nation. Oh, that's interesting. When did that happen? When did God weigh in and say, I'm done with America? This is no longer a Christian nation. God didn't. Now, you got to get this. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to like him anyway. <laughs> the spirit of the Antichrist works through people. So if the president of the United States stands up before the world and says, this is no longer a Christian nation, is he operating under the spirit of the living God for this nation? Or is he operating under the spirit of the Antichrist? You can judge for yourself. But for me and my house, there is no question. The spirit of the Antichrist would try to divide this nation and say, this is not a Christian nation. But from our founding fathers until the present, this has always been, and through our Supreme Court, designated by them, by Supreme Court edict and rulings a christian nation so when did we change i got good news for you are you ready i want you all to just say it after me like you really mean it it never changed changed. tell your neighbor it never changed changed. adolf hitler wrote a book that i read many many years ago long before i knew the lord called mein Kampf, my struggle my story and in the book this one thing has always stood out to me had a section in there that said, if you will repeat a lie often enough and consistently enough, people will eventually believe it. If you will repeat a lie often enough and consistently enough, people will eventually believe it. I believe there are many people in this great nation who believe we're no longer a Christian nation. 
I believe many people in this nation do not believe what the Word of God says about this nation for two reasons. Number one, they've been told something contrary to what they believed, and they believed it. Or number two, they never knew what the truth was. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I want to make reference to four books that more than that, we're going to put them in the bulletin. Uh, this one is a book by Timothy Ballard called The Covenant, One Nation Under God, The Covenant Relationship That America Has With God, Original Intent by David Barton. These are not uh, um, theories. These are actual recorded documents and statements from our founding fathers on the original intent of what America is all about. This is a treasury of presidential quotations where the presidents have talked about the goodness of America, about Jesus, about this being God's country, about this being a Christian nation, and, uh, and how you can see things start to twist just a little bit over the years. And then, one of the most fascinating books I ever read many, many years ago, Peter Marshall, uh, um, Peter Marshall's father used to be the chaplain for the United States Senate, which goes all the way back to the founding of our nation with Benjamin Franklin and uh, when they were trying to make our Constitution. And he said, you know, it would be a good idea. I'm paraphrasing everything that Benjamin Franklin said. But he said, you know, it would be a good idea. We're gridlocked here. We're having some real problems. Why don't we start out the way, why don't we return to the way we started this country by prayer? Why don't we all begin to pray, ask God to help us, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And they begin to pray and said, we ought to start every, (coughs) every legislative session in this nation, all the way back to 1776, uh, with prayer. And that's when they introduced having a, a, a chaplain in, uh, to pray over and open every session of Congress. And Peter Marshall was uh, that person for many years. This is written by his son. And it is a compilation of the diaries of, Christian, of, of Christopher Columbus and how he believed that the Holy Spirit led him to not America, but to, he thought the Holy Spirit was leading him to the Indies, and and how he felt that he had a divine revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ on the journey to go, and that he had supernatural Holy Spirit navigation. Let me see the hands of all the people. You never learned anything like that in school. Your children are not learning this in school either. They're not going to learn anything that has to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how he felt that he was called to dedicate the land in a covenant relationship that he landed upon to Almighty God. And the, the country Trinidad, where he first landed, Trinidad meaning the Trinity, it was, it was dedicated in the, in the, to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, what people will do when the devil sneaks in from the garden, and he says, well, yeah, but... Christopher Columbus and and his men did a lot of bad, too. Okay? Now, America has a destiny. Americans have a destiny. You have a destiny. Okay? Did Christopher Columbus do a lot of good? Yes. Did some things happen that were bad? Yes. You can concentrate on the good or you can concentrate on the bad. Either one will be magnified in your eyes. Can I see the hands of all the people here that in your life, somewhere along the line, you've done some good? Can I see your hand? Okay. Everybody look around. Great. Can I see the hands of all the people that sometime along your life you've done some really bad things? Can I see your hand? Looks to me like the same group of people that Christopher Columbus had. Uh, We've done good. We've done bad. It's far better to do good. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, in case they don't know, it's better to do good. And that comes from the Bible and that comes from Jesus Christ. You need to... I'm trying to get my grandsons to read these books and my grandchildren. And uh, so far, the only way I figured out how to do it that they really will respond to is I pay them. But that's okay. I'm going to pay them. I'm going to pay them. I want them to get it because they're not going to learn this stuff in school. Now, I want to read this scripture to you in the book of uh, Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> this is Jesus uh, speaking about, about the body of Christ, really. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to those who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see God and your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Christopher Columbus quoted that scripture over America. The early founding fathers quoted that scripture over America. And they believed that America 
was to be a bright light to the world. The Mayflower Compact stated when the pilgrims landed that they were coming to further the gospel to the world of Jesus Christ. So they believed that this country was set apart for the glory of Almighty God. Many people believe, as in the book that I referenced earlier, that there was a covenant relationship that was established by God. Now, some people say, well, a piece of land can't belong to God. Well, Israel is a land contract with God. But even further than that, in Psalms uh, 24, verse 1, it says, The earth and the fullness thereof belong to God. All of the earth belongs to God to be inhabited by God's people and to give God glory. And that's why that light of Jesus shines out from people. What if, everybody say, what if? What if America is called to be a light shining to the world on a hill and that the goodness of America would go out to the entire world? Would that be something that if we would proclaim the goodness of America, learning from our mistakes, the goodness of America and the gospel of Jesus Christ and that light would shine out to the world, would that be something that God would want or would that be something that the Antichrist would want? Now, turn to your neighbor and say, you look like you can get this stuff, okay? Now, well, it's a no-brainer. That's something that God would want. Well, how do we really know that? I mean, we've got some problems. We used to do this, and we used to do that. Folks, there are always going to be problems. What you focus on is what you attract. The goodness of America has been the number one nation in the world, reaching out to help the world financially to rebuild. The second scripture I wanted to give you, because what we're trying to look at today on this original tent is, if America was God's idea, then are we reflecting it? Has our past reflected it? And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 through 48, I'm just going to paraphrase all of it. But it basically says, love your enemies. Now, I had a situation last night where the neighbor's dog came over and bit my dog for the second time. I got a little bit of yoki poo, and this is a German shepherd. And, uh, and, I, and I, so after the first bite, I went over, and I was very nice. And, and, and then after the second bite, I went over, and I said, look, I, I think I'm going to shoot your dog. And, uh, uh, and it got his attention the second time. And uh, I said, I'm not going to let him come over and be biting my dog. All he has to do is bite around the neck, and my dog's going to be dead. And, and, and so I'm going to kill your dog before that happens to my dog. And, uh, and, and he says, well, I don't want you to kill my dog. And I said, I don't want to kill your dog. But if it's your dog or my dog, your dog's going to get killed. And um, he said, well, my dog's friendly. And my dog would never do that. I said, look, I was standing there. Your dog tried to bite me, tried to bite my dog, and it's just not working. And uh, he said, well, I, my dog would never do that. And I said, okay, you can either get rid of your dog, I'll call the police, and they can take care of it. And then if that doesn't work, I'll shoot your dog. And, uh, and, and he, he said, well, you do whatever you think you have to do. So I called the police and talked to the animal people and, and called them. And I said, look, I, you know, I'm, I'm not a violent person, but I said, I have no problem shooting a dog if the dog's going to attack me, my grandchildren, everybody else. But I don't want to shoot the dog, but, you know, tell me what to do. And he said, I'll come out and talk to the guy. So he came out and talked to the guy. Well, now I'm in the process of tomorrow hopefully talking to the guy and loving on him and tell him that, look, I don't want to shoot your dog. I just want to get some order here in our neighborhood. I don't want your dog coming over and biting and chewing up on my little doggy. And, and so, so anyway, I can love the guy but I'm not going to allow him to tear up my property or my family or my dog. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, if you look at our nation and if you look at the scripture and if you study verses 43 through 48, it's like case of I mean, if you look at it, not in the context of what Jesus meant, love your neighbor, love those who spitefully use you, don't do anything that you shouldn't do, just whatever people want to do, let them run right over. I don't believe he meant that at all. I believe he meant no matter what people do to you, don't stop loving them. Love them unconditionally, regardless of how they are, but you don't let them do whatever they want to you. That's what happened to the Jewish people during the Holocaust, and there's something we'll share a little bit later on that. But what we have here is, if you look at, at America, we had a war with France, a war with England, a war with Germany, and a war with Japan. 
every single one of those nations really came against us, even England, when we decided to revolt against them, and we tried to do it peacefully, but it didn't work out. Now, every one of those nations, starting with France, starting with England, starting with Germany, starting with Japan, we reached out to every one of them after we defended ourselves, and we helped them rebuild their nations. It is the goodness of America that did all of that. We have loved our enemies consistently. We have not allowed them to conquer us. We have stood our ground in our defense, but we have not not loved our enemies. Does that make sense to all of you? The spirit of the Antichrist would want you to be angry and hostile toward people, but the spirit of God would want you to love your enemies even though you may have to defend what God has given you, but you still love your enemies in the process. God loves every person who's part of ISIS. He just wants them to get saved and turned around because they're all being possessed by the spirit of the Antichrist. They're all going the wrong direction. And many of them are being recruited and they don't have any knowledge of what's going on and all these kind of things. So we are a nation that have, has been blessed by God all, all the way from our very beginning. President Reagan and almost every president in the history, there's a book in here that I didn't, oh yeah, here it is. This is the treasury of presidential quotations. This is talking from George, uh, sharing the actual transcripts of George Washington all the way through President Bush. Has to be updated to go on a little bit further, but all the way through President Bush. And so many of them talked about America being a light on the hill, a covenant relationship that America had with God, the goodness of America, the things that we wanted to proclaim to the world, and that all of those things are still there. The problem is we're not passing this along to future generations. And if we don't do something to proclaim the goodness of God, then we're going to continually have a challenge with the spirit of the Antichrist who is alive and well and infiltrating every part of our system. Now, I want to read this scripture to you that I read last week. I'm not saying this is America. I'm just saying it is an interesting scripture because most theologians will say to you, it is very hard to find America specifically in the Bible. Very hard. You can look some areas and people can say, I believe this is America. I believe this is America. Well, anybody blesses uh, 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 Israel, Genesis chapter 12, all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant is going to be blessed by God and America is a blessing to them and all of that. And, but it's very hard to find a specific scripture that says, is this America? But it's in Matthew chapter uh, 21, verse 43. Therefore, I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and giving to a nation bearing the fruits of it. Now, is that America? I don't know. But who is, what country on the face of the earth is bearing more fruit than any other nation ever has? It's the United States of America. What country has exported the gospel more than any other country? It is the United States of America. Unfortunately, we are now the largest exporter of pornography on the earth. One of them would be based on the spirit of the Antichrist. One of them would be based on the spirit of God. Which one do you think it would be? Because there are some people who would think, well, you should be free to do anything that you want. That's not true if you're going to live what the gospel says. So we know that we have been a country and a nation that has been blessed tremendously. Our early, the pilgrims basically said many times in their writings that they felt that America was going to be the new Jerusalem. Now, we don't believe that. I don't believe that. Uh, I don't know what you believe, but I don't believe that we're in the new Jerusalem. I don't believe in replacement theology. I don't believe America is taking the place of Israel. I believe Israel belongs to Israel, and Israel is God's country, and Israel is going to be blessed by God in the end days. He's going to be judged also, but going to be blessed, and that Jerusalem is God's headquarters. Now, we 
have many similarities in our government and our nation toward the Hebrew nation. And all of those things are the founding fathers that brought into our country. The Ten Commandments were part of our Supreme Court. The Ten Commandments, if you walk into the National Archives, there's a big bronze plaque there on the floor that have the Ten Commandments. That our basic company country uh, is, is based on Christian Judeo ethics. Now, if we understand this, then we understand that we've got to determine how are we as a nation going to get back where we belong. I hear a lot of people, that, people that I respect, by the way, people that I deeply respect. Everything is okay. Just keep speaking the word and keep focusing on the word of God and all that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. I believe that. But I also believe that there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who are not standing against the work of the devil. First Peter 5, 8 says the devil walks about seeking whom he may destroy and that we resist him steadfast in the faith. But we've got to understand that if we are not wise to know what's going on in the world, then how do we pray against it? How do we stand the gap and release our corporate faith as a body of Christ? There's a resolution that I think, Megan, we're going to have it in a bulletin Sunday. I forget which it is, House Resolution. Pardon? House Resolution 1797 that has been introduced by the House it is when the it is based on scientific evidence that when the baby in the womb feels pain. Now, personally, I believe a baby in the womb that has a heartbeat is alive and well, and needs to be covered by the, the sanctity of, of of this country, and that that is a, a, a viable child. But when the baby feels pain, there's legislation being introduced right now that you cannot abort a baby that could feel pain. Now, that's better than nothing, but that's not best. But that's better than nothing. Now, already, now this is where sometimes people say, are you going to meddling right now? Turn to your neighbor and say, no way. Now, already, our, our, our White House has issued uh, a response that they are opposed to that, that we should not be meddling in that, that that is a woman's right. We see it as a right of that baby that if they're at, at the end of X number of weeks, I think it's 20 weeks, is that correct? At the end of 20 weeks, that baby would feel pain, and abortion would crush that baby and kill that baby, and, and that baby would feel pain. Now, let me ask you this question. Which would line up better with God, and which would line up better with the spirit of the Antichrist? To kill the baby regardless of the pain, are to pass the bill and protect the baby. Now, I'm going to give the answer to that, but you can believe anything you want. The will of God would be to protect that baby. The will of the spirit of the Antichrist would be kill the baby at any cost. doesn't matter. Now, if we as a body of Christ don't even know, I didn't know about that legislation. It just happened to come on an email that I get. Thank God I get it. And when I read it, I said, wow, that's really interesting legislation. How many of you didn't know anything about what I just said, that legislation? Okay, that, that doesn't mean you're a problem. It just means you're not informed in that area. Now, I did, was not informed in that area until I saw it. And I thought, wow, you, you, you'll, those things are what the body of Christ needs to know so that we can fight a spiritual battle. It is a spiritual battle. It is a battle of prayer. But if you don't know what to pray, you know, you, you can only pray so often, thy will be done, thy will be done, thy will be done. Should we pray that? Certainly we should pray that. But I think targeted prayer is great too. 1797? Okay. Father, I pray that House Resolution 1797 is passed in Jesus' name. We bind anybody who would come against that in the name of Jesus, and we release it to your power. Now, a little dangerous for me to say that because I haven't read it yet. But by the same token, how many of you realize there's a point in time when you need to stand up, speak up, and you need to proclaim what you believe is the will of God? If we don't do that, then th th this is an old saying. It's not original with me. But a trend in motion continues until it ends. If we're off course and we know we're off course and we're going the wrong direction, how long will we go the wrong direction? We will go the wrong direction until we change the direction. 
And if we don't change the direction, we'll continue to go on the wrong direction. Next July 4th, as we approach it, we'll continue to go the wrong way if we don't change the direction. When you get on a ship, I have this written down. came to me today. Let me see if I still have this. It was like God just poured this into my spirit, and, uh, and I was writing as fast as I could. I said, God, are you giving me a message, or what exactly is this? Okay, let me find it. Yeah, it was like in my spirit. I saw in my spirit a ship sailing on an open sea heading in the direction of the planned navigation. Everything was going great, but then those in charge of the navigation of the ship became distracted. The ship began to veer ever so slightly that no one in a position of authority noticed. Everything appeared normal. Everyone went about their business. Instead of continuing to monitor the instrumentation, the given instructions, the distraction not only continued, but the distraction intensified. All the while, the ship was loaded with good intentions, loaded with a bright light to the world, but it continued to drift hardly noticeable, ever so slightly. The ship was America, and those on board were Americans called to be a bright light to the world. They had good intention to fulfill their God-given destiny with the original intent and destiny of the ship, but the growing, intensified distractions continually allowed the ship to drift off course ever so slightly at first, but more and more away from the original intent of the voyage and the destiny. Still, no one noticed. The ship represents God's land called America. The people on board represent the American people. We have drifted from our original intent And many of the blessings of God have become distractions from God. Gradually at first, but then more and more distractions. At first, the distractions were minor, but then the continuing of these seemed to blind the people. They began to separate from God's destination for his nation they begin to lose their way, his focus of the original intent. It isn't too late to correct the direction of the ship, but it is very, very late. And that's, I saw this all in my spirit this afternoon. And then I started writing because I said, God, I don't understand it all. And all of this just began to flow. How many of you are like I am? You don't even know how, as a nation, we have ended up like we are. I don't even know. I mean, I can come up with, you know, like, oh, the church didn't do their part. We didn't pray enough. We didn't. I don't even understand how. I, I, don't, I, I don't remember the 60s. I don't remember abortion becoming mandated by the Supreme Court. I don't remember the things that have happened. I don't remember prayer being thrown out of school. Do any of you remember prayer being thrown out of school? I don't remember it. It happened. I don't remember that whenever you said you couldn't have your Bible in a classroom, that came I don't. How many of you just don't remember how all that stuff happened? It just all of a sudden, it's happened. Now, what's happened is I believe there's been a huge distraction of things. We live in a technological world. Oh, glory to God, we live in a technological world. iPad, iPhone, I this, I that, I this, I this. Now, I know this is a play on words, but in James 3.16, it says that where there are self-centered people, there is confusion and every evil work. Every evil work. Now, the fact you have an iPhone, I have an iPhone. Don't know how to work it totally, but I have an iPhone. I, have an, I don't have an iPad. My wife has an iPad, and every once in a while I play with it, and she says, you screwed up my iPad again, haven't you? But, but I, I don't, I'm not technological savvy. It's not a bad confession. I hate that stuff. Uh, but anyway, it can be used for the glory of God, or it can be used to distract you. 
You can use it as an example on texting. Terry Hinshaw, a friend of ours, has a mobile unit now to keep people, uh, save especially youth from texting and driving. And it's a very vivid uh, display of, of, of what all happens when you text and drive. How many of you realize texting and driving is a total distraction that can end up in death? Anything that has technological advances also has distractions involved with it. The television set is neither good or bad, but it can be a tremendous distraction. Texting is neither good nor bad, but it can be a tremendous distraction. iPhones, iPads, all of that stuff is not necessarily good or bad, but it can be a tremendous distraction. If we get distracted long enough, then the devil can do what he does best. Well, did God really say, well, does it really make sense that you should tell people how they should live their life? All of these types of things can come in and can affect the body of Christ. Now, Matthew 16, 15 we're talking about, is America God's idea? Matthew sixteen fifteen says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That is given to every single person in the body of Christ and the book of Acts. But if you had to take this and say, let's apply this to a nation, what is the one nation on the face of the earth that has arguably advance the kingdom of God evangelist, evangelistically more than any other nation by sending missionaries to the entire world? The answer to that is very simple, folks. It's the United States of America. It's the United States of America that has been that nation and to this day is still that nation, but our moral values are starting to slip. On the Statue of Liberty, give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses, yearning to breathe free. What is the one nation on the face of the earth where every, I shouldn't say every person, I don't know that. What is the one nation on the face of the earth that seems to attract people from all over the world to come and live here and become citizens here? These are not hard questions, by the way, so you can all answer it and you're going to get it right. Go ahead. Let's all say it. It's America. It is America. We are the attraction. We are the light on the hill. People love to come to America, to become citizens of America, and we welcome all of the legal people who are coming in here to become Americans and to do it the right way. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It's very similar to give me your tired, your poor, your huddled masses. Luke 4, 18. Preach the gospel to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery sight to the blind, to set at liberty the oppressed. Is the Spirit of God and was the Spirit of God on Christopher Columbus based on his diaries? Yes. Was it on the Mayflower Compact to further the gospel of Jesus Christ and the early pilgrims who came here to escape religious persecution? Yes, documented. Did our early fathers think that this nation was a Christian Judeo nation where people of all faiths or no faith would be free to come and to worship? Yes, yes, and yes. Was the gospel to be proclaimed in our school system? Yes. We read last week some of the statements about our Supreme Court. And for those of you that are visitors, I know we've got visitors here tonight, but I'll just read one of them to you that you think, well, how could this have happened? The Supreme Court, 1826. No free government now exists in the world unless Christianity is acknowledged and is the religion of the country. Its foundations are broad, strong, deep. It is the pure system of morality, the firmest auxiliary, and the only stable support of human laws. Christianity is part of the human law. The purest principles of morality are to be taught in schools. Where are they? to be found. Whoever searches for them must go to the source from which a Christian nation derives its faith, the Bible. Where should morality be taught? Certainly in the home, but in the schools. Where should corporal punishment, moving a little bit off of the Supreme Court here, be uh, enforced? In the schools. But we came to where there's no corporal punishment in schools any longer because you can't do anything along those lines. Who would want prayer and the Bible and any type of corporal discipline involved from the Word of God in the schools. God Himself or the Spirit of the Antichrist? The answer is very simple. The Spirit of the Antichrist is operating in our school system. And you have to be very careful with the children that you have that you're raising and the children that are growing up. Now, if you understand this, 
if you understand this, then you understand, I believe, the serious time frame that we live in today. Don't concentrate on the, all the negative, but be aware and be a wise as a serpent to know how to bind and how to lose. Because the Word of God in Matthew 16, 19 says we have the power to bind and lose. I want to give you one more scripture before we close here. Matthew chapter 24, it's verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed the house to be broken into. Folks, the house in America has been broken into. Executive, judicial, legislative. What are we going to do? Well, we're not going to leave here thinking, oh, man, everything is bad. No, no. We're going to leave here saying, you know what? This country belongs to God, and we're going to stand for this country. We're going to, we're going to humble ourselves and pray. Prayer is the answer. But in addition to prayer, it is right along with prayer to bind and to loose the work of the strong man. The Word of God says that if we'll humble ourselves, 2 Corinthians seven fourteen, humble ourselves and pray and seek God's way and turn from our wicked ways, God will hear our prayers and He will heal our land. Our land needs to be healed. But the devil needs to be kicked out of our land. What are we going to do? We're going to go fight the uh, uh, legislative body, the White House, and the executive, judicial, and legislative? Not a bad idea, but we can't do that. But we can fight the fight of faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, we can fight the fight of faith. You see something coming that is not of God, you bind that thing. You loose the power of God. Matthew 16, 19 says, Jesus said, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We have the power and the authority that George Washington operated under when he fought against the British, and there was no way he could win. The odds were insurmountable against him. But time and time again, whether it be a hurricane, whether it be a fog, whether it be mist, whether it be rain, God gave him wisdom to know how to pray. And when he prayed and sought God, he gave him strategies on what to do and how to pray. You can make a difference on this earth. You can make a difference in our legislative. You can make a difference. It is no different than if you're praying healing for somebody. And you say, I pray in Jesus' name that Betty be healed. One person praying for her and the power of God goes into her and she's healed of her cancer. And that thing is dry up in her body. It's the same thing for this nation. We stand for our nation. Now, I don't want this to be condemnation for anybody, but my guess is that most people in the body of Christ, turn to your neighbor and say, he could be wrong. I think most people in the body of Christ don't think much about praying for our nation. I think they think about other things. I don't think we're active and on, on, on alert. I don't think we're the watchman on a hill. You could be an exception. You could be an exception to this. But I think most people don't think about it. They think, hey, the government, they're screwed up. You know, leave them alone. Flip on the TV set. Going to go to a movie. Going to eat some popcorn. I'm describing myself now. Eat some popcorn. Go. <laughs> I think I'm going to do that tonight. Huh? I'm going to have popcorn and a Coke. But, but anyway, it's, it's never too late to do the right thing. Deuteronomy 28 says, The blessings of God will come upon and overtake the people of God if we will hearken unto the voice of the Lord our God. Let's stand to our feet. I believe that God is not done with America. Now, here are five things I'm going to give you real quickly. What can we do? Don't walk out of here and think things are going to hell in a handbasket. Things are not. This country belongs to God. But I do believe this. James 4, 7 says, Submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Number one, pray. Number two, stay informed. Figure out how to become informed. Now, we're going to put information in the bulletin to show you how to get on some cutting-edge stuff that will show you what's going on that you'll never see in the news media. Number three, bind and loose. And number four, influence people. You are called to be an influencer. And let your voice be heard. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I say a lot of times we have a tendency, we don't want to make waves? He says, can I see all the, I don't want to make waves? I don't, I don't want to rock the boat? I believe the time is coming. We need to sink the boat and throw life rafts out and say this boat's going the wrong direction. One of the biggest fallacies that most people have, myself included, from time to time, is it's not that you're a people pleaser, 
but you don't want to upset people. I, you know, you don't want people to be upset with you. But if you are going to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to be an oracle for God. And you're going to have to speak out. I see the hands of all the people. You've been involved in conversations before. And you knew that what was going on was wrong. And you just felt like you should say something. But instead of saying it, you just choked it all down. Can I see the hands of all the people that are there? I believe those days are ending. If you'll enlist in God's army, we'll endure the hardships. We'll endure the pain. We'll endure the people coming against us. We're going to be the watchman on the wall. We're going to stand for this nation. We're going to believe that God's hand is still on America. God still wants to use America. God has plans and purposes and pursuits for each one of us corporately, individually, and as a nation. Can you say amen to that? Bow your heads with me just for a moment. All over this church, I want to ask you the most important question you will ever answer. And that is, if your life ended tonight, do you know that you would be alive and well with Jesus? And if you're here and you say, gosh, I don't know, I don't know, then let tonight be the night that you have that assurance. The Word of God says that heaven is reserved for the people who have accepted Jesus Christ, that He is the key, that He cleanses you of all of your sin, He opens the door to heaven to you, and that you have eternal life when you accept Jesus. You may be here, you may be like that prodigal son, that prodigal daughter. You know that you know that you know that you have walked away from the things of God. Let tonight be the night that you give your life back to the Lord. God loves you. And all over this church, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. I'm gonna, I, I want to come back to Him. I'm going to ask you just to lift your hand. And we're going to pray for you. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, all the way back there in the back. Yes, right here. Are there others? We're going to wait a moment. Yes, I see your hand over here. Are there others? You say, pray for me. I, I know my life is not right. Maybe you didn't lift your hand, but you know I'm speaking to you, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. All of you come down to this altar right now. If you didn't lift your hand, you can come on too. Right here, this lady right here in the middle, second row in, all the way over here on the side. Mark, uh, lady all the way back there in the back, somewhere in the back. Yeah, give them a hand as they continue to come. Thank you, Jesus. Come on down here, sweetheart. Come on down here. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, keep it up. Angels in heaven are rejoicing right now. Stretch your hands out here toward these at this altar. I love that hat. God's got a great plan and a great purpose for your life. How old are you? What a great job coming down here to this altar. Stretch your hands out. Let's all pray this prayer right now. Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I've sinned and I've made mistakes. But tonight I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart, take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you would have me to be. Father, I thank you for these at this altar. I thank you for the plan, the purpose, the pursuit, all of the things that you have for them to accomplish on this earth. Lord, I thank you that areas where they seemingly maybe have failed, you're going to turn that around and you're going to use that to strengthen them. Your word says that you use all things for good to those who love you and are called according to your purpose. And we give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said... 